Thanks for joining us for this message from Awakened Church. We believe in the power of God's Word, and we pray that you're encouraged by this message. Now lean in as we hear from God's Word together. How many of you are excited about a new year, though? Like, seriously, how many of you just kind of feel like it's the same old, same old? Like, I don't know about you, but that's kind of how I've always felt with New Year. Like, this, that holiday has never been my favorite holiday. Like, I, this, the last, uh, just a couple weeks ago, a week ago, my boys were like, let's stay up till midnight. And I was like, that sounds like a terrible idea. But for me, it was a countdown to bedtime. But uh, to me, a new year always feels like December. It always felt like the day before. It's kind of like a birthday. That's kind of how I view it. You know, like when you have a birthday, sometimes people go, well, do you feel any older? And it's like, no, my knee didn't give out. My back doesn't hurt more. I didn't wake up with more gray hair. You know, like to me, a new year, always kind of feels like the same. It just felt like yesterday, but obviously with the new year, there's always new challenges, right? We want to better ourselves, lose weight, read more, you know, maybe watch TV less, do, you know, we want to better ourselves in some way. And it's no different for us as a church. We as a church have new challenges for us as well. And the challenge that is for us this year is to have a greater impact in the city for Jesus, And last year, I really want to say that we really stepped up in a really cool way when uh, the tornadoes came through in December. We as a church really stepped up. We gave and we partnered with uh, an organization called Aerial Recovery, and we were able to go and help people in Dawson Springs and Mayfield. And so we as a church were really able to make an impact in the communities around us. But if you missed our Vision Sunday, our church's birthday back in September, I talked about how I felt like we do Sundays really well. I feel like we always bring God's word. We've got an amazing worship team. Uh, We've built out this venue. We're in this venue for a year now. So this venue is a year old. So that's pretty exciting as well. We are uh, building out our Awaken Kids area and hopefully having bigger bathrooms soon. And, you know, we've got people who um, I think are genuine. They're real people who love people. I think we've got Sundays down really well. But I said, if, you know, I had to say, hey, where's an area of improvement? It would be getting outside of these walls and making an impact for Jesus in our city. And that's really what this series is all about. We've titled this series, Go. And it's, the green light is on and we're ready to jump into our city and make an impact for Jesus. That's what that video was all about. I thought it was really cool that we had Pastor Jeremiah and Josh Brimmer talk about what it's like jumping out of a plane and the equipment that they needed and the things that they needed to do to feel prepared. And really over the next several months, that's the goal of what we're going to be trying to do. We're going to try to give you the tools, try to equip you the best that you can because the green light is on and we're ready to go and make an impact for Jesus in this city. And so I would really encourage all of you over the next three weeks, it's a three-week series, to really make it a point as much as you can to be here. Who knows what's going to happen with the weather? For all I know, we're going to be in shorts next Sunday, Um, but or it could be snowing. I don't know what's happening in this city, but um, I would really encourage you, if you can't be here, watch them online later, because the goal is that we would all be a unified church with the heart of Jesus as we move into the city. And so over the next three weeks, we're going to be talking about how uh, we are all are called to evangelize, that we all have something to say, that God has changed our lives in some way. And it's not as scary as we might think that it is. So we need to share the good news of Jesus, that we're a church on mission, a church that's going to mobilize. And today, what we're talking about is that we are a church that's gifted. We are a people that is gifted. And so the title of today's message is, you have been given a gift, so go. 
I want to start off by asking, how many of you have ever felt unqualified or a little uneasy to do something in your life before, right? A few of you, you're being honest. Some of you guys, you're liars in church and you need to ask for forgiveness because I think it's safe to say that we've all felt unqualified before in our life. I know I have numerous times. I was reminded this week of when I got married to Jen and I remember sitting in the little waiting room waiting for the ceremony to begin and I'm chewing some gum and I'm going, what am I doing? I can barely take care of myself, like, let alone I'm going to be in charge of helping take care of somebody else. Like, this doesn't make any sense to me. Like, who does this pastor think he is marrying us? Like, I'm not ready. What qualifies me to be a husband? I've never been one before. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I remember when we had Brody, our first uh, boy, for the very first time, I remember the nurse was wheeling Jen out in the wheelchair, and I had Brody in the car seat, and I locked him in and relocked him in and locked him in again because I wanted to make sure he was safe. And the nurse closed the door and said, all right, see you guys. And I said, wait, you're not like going to come with us? Like, do you have a number that we can reach you at? Like, do you need references? Have I kept plants alive, animals alive? Like, what qualifies me to be a father to take care of a human being? And she just laughed and kept going. I was like, that wasn't funny. Like, I don't (laughs) truly know what I'm supposed to do. And a drive that should have only taken 20 minutes took two hours because I was 10 and 2, 15 miles an hour the whole way home. I got home. I sat on the couch, put Brody right in front of me. And I looked and I thought, what qualifies me to be a father? He didn't come with a manual. Like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I felt so uneasy, so unqualified to be a parent. And I think it's safe to say we've probably felt one of those two But if you haven't felt one of those, maybe you felt a little uneasy or unqualified to go to school, go to college, the next grade that you're about to go into, go into high school, whatever it is. Maybe you felt a little unqualified for the job that you were about to take, or you felt uneasy about being on a sports team for the very first time. I think we've all dealt with those issues before. And if you have, you've probably said a phrase similar to this, man, I feel way in over my head right now. I feel way out of my league. And if you've ever felt that way before, Well, good news for you. You're surrounded by people in this room who have felt that way before. And there are people in the Bible who have felt the same as well. Because when you look throughout the pages of scripture, what you're going to find out is God never asked anyone to do anything that they felt totally qualified to do. Not once did God say, hey, I want you to go serve me in this way. I want you to go do this task, go do this thing. And the person goes, glory, hallelujah, I feel qualified. Like that has never happened. You'll never read that. It's always the opposite. Listen, God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. And so that's what we're going to be talking about here in Exodus uh, chapter 3 and chapter 4. We're going to be looking at different verses. So if you have a Bible, you can go ahead and turn to the second book of the Old Testament, Exodus chapter 3. And what we're going to see is that God comes to Moses and he says, Hey, Moses, I want you to serve me in this way. I want you to be a leader. And Moses doesn't really feel like a leader. He doesn't feel qualified. And I think for a lot of us, that can resonate because we can feel unqualified for a lot of different reasons. Because I think most of us, we understand the importance of serving others, stepping up and figuring out what our purpose is and what God uh, has designed us to do and what he might want to use us. But even though we might know those things and understand those things, we still feel doubt. We're still hesitant when it comes to being used by God. You need to understand this. You've been given the ultimate gift, the gift of salvation. And because of that gift, you also have other gifts. And so you are gifted, so you need to go and use those gifts. But I think like Moses, 
we have some problems. We have some excuses. So let's see how this conversation turns out. Gen- or, um, Exodus chapter 3, verse 7. It says, Then the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cries because of their taskmasters. I know their sufferings, and I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of Egypt and to bring them out of that land to a good and broad land. Right now, up to this point, it sounds like God's heard his people. He knows what's going on. He's coming up with a plan. He's talking to Moses about all of this. And he even says, listen, I'm going to take them to a land flowing with milk and honey to the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. And now behold, the cry of the people of Israel has come to me. And I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Now God's going to throw Moses a curveball in verse 10. Come, I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. See, I can imagine Moses, he's listening to this conversation. He's probably like, okay, God, I got this plan. I hear what you're saying. I, I, can, I can hear what you're dropping down for me. I, I hear this. I can get behind this. Sounds like a great idea. And then God throws Moses his curveball and his jaw probably drops to the ground. And he's probably like, um, excuse me, God, uh, what did you just say right there? Like, why? Why? I thought you had this covered. You seemed like you knew what was going on. It seemed like you had everything under control. You said you were going to lead them out. Why are you involving me? Here's what you need to know. Whether you like this answer or not, this is the truth. God always involves imperfect people like you and me in what he's doing in and around the world. Now, God could just say, move, step aside. I don't want you to mess up anything that I'm doing. Go sit in the corner, have a little time out right now. Get out of the way. Let me work in and through the world. I don't need you to mess this up. But God does the opposite. God goes, I want to involve you in what I'm doing in and around the world, even if you mess it up. And here's the truth. We will mess it up. But God wants to equip you. God wants to empower you. God wants to do something in and through you. God will ask you to do something that you don't feel qualified to do. And so we're going to look at the four excuses that Moses gives God. And I think they're excuses that we also give God when we're called to do something for the Lord as well. And the first one, the first excuse Moses has is he says, God, who am I? Who am I? Verse 11 But Moses said to God, some translations will say argue or uh, protest with God, which by the way is a bad idea. Learn from Moses, don't do it, all right? You'll be further ahead. He goes, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? See, Moses is like, there's no way I could be used by God. Who does God think that I really am? What makes God think that I can do this? Moses is like, I don't have the skill set. I don't have the qualifications. I don't have the degree. I don't have the experience for what God is asking me to do. This is all about Moses feeling insecure. He might be thinking, well, what does Moses have to feel insecure about? See, the thing that I think made him feel insecure, that made him feel unqualified, is there were some things in his past. There were some things in his past that he didn't want people to know about. And if you know anything about Moses, this is what you need to know. Moses was born as an Israeli. And the Pharaoh made a decree to kill all infant Israeli baby boys. And so Moses' mom hears this news, wants to save her son's life. She puts him in a basket and floats him down the Nile River. And what ends up happening is that uh, Pharaoh's daughter finds Moses. And so God takes Moses and places him in Egypt where Moses is raised as an Egyptian. 
Now, later on, he learns about his history. He knows that he's not really an Egyptian, that he's an Israeli. And one of these days, he's just kind of walking along and he sees this uh, uh, Egyptian abusing this Israeli and it really angers him. And what we learn is that Moses has got a little bit of a temper. And here's the point. Here's the reason why I'm sharing all of that with you. Maybe the thing that's making you hesitant to serve or keeping you from doing what God is calling you to do is that there are some past failures. You are disqualifying yourself before God can ever use you because you're too focused on some past failures, some past mistakes that you've made in your life. And so you might be here today and you might've had a similar conversation with God. And you're like, there's no way God can use me. Doesn't God know what he's dealing with over here? Who am I that God would wanna involve me and use me in what he's doing? But God specializes in taking where you feel insecure, where you feel unqualified, where you might feel some shame, and he works in it and through it, and he shows you his power, and he'll show others his power as well. You know, I was thinking uh, about teenage Nate, all right? Teenage Nate, if you would have told him, hey, you're going to pastor a church someday, I would have said, you have lost your mind. Do you know what teenage Nate was looking at, what he was doing, how he was acting? There's no way that God would ever use someone like me. Who am I? And then if you would have said, you know what, not only that, but you're also going to teach the Bible, I would have said, you're on drugs. Like, what? (laughs) What are you doing? There's no way. I don't like speaking in front of people. I hated speech class in school. I am an introvert. I just want you to know, I am an introvert. I like to hide in the corner. I don't like to be out in front of people. I don't sometimes like to even be noticed. I like to just kind of blend in with everybody else, not really stand out in any way. And so I hated getting up in front of people and speaking. There were times that I, my voice would shake, my hands would shake, and I'd be like, um, you know, I wouldn't know what to say or what to do. I was always like, what are people always thinking? I would cry before, during, and after the speech as well. And some of you are like, wow, you've really come a long way. You don't see me afterwards. I'm in that back room crying. Okay. (laughs) But my favorite verse is second Corinthians 12, nine. And it says, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I am glad to boast about my weakness so that the power of Christ can work through me. See, whatever you think you're weak in, God says, good. Let's focus in on that because my power works best in your weakness. Honestly, that's even been a prayer this year for me too. God, how am I gonna prepare messages? How is this gonna work this year? It worked last year. How is it gonna work this year? I think it keeps me reliant on God. God will put you in situations where you have to face your insecurities so that you can feel the power of his presence even more. And that's the point of what God's doing here in chapter three. In fact, his response to Moses is in verse 12. And he says, but I will be with you. See, of all the things God could have said to Moses, he could have said, hey, you know, Mo, being a little hard on yourself right now, ease up on yourself. You're you're, going to be just better. You're better than that. You'll be just fine. But God doesn't do that. God could have said, hey, Moses, you've been given so many gifts. You could just use them. Just use them. It'll be okay. But he doesn't do that. He says, I will be with you. And what I think God's trying to tell Moses here and us thousands of years later is what makes you think any of this has anything to do with us? What makes you think that you're so amazing that I couldn't do this without you? See, asking this question, but God, who am I? It can look like humility, but it's rooted in the same thing our pride comes out of thinking too much of ourselves. It's not about what you can do. It's about what God can do in and through you. It's not about what you bring to the table. It's about what God can do in and through your life. 
See, if you could do anything, it's just ordinary. It's not, it's not that great. But God is an expert in doing extraordinary things through ordinary people like you and me. And so God's like, Moses, I just want you to be available. But like Moses, many of us, we just don't see it. And so we come up with more excuses. And so the next excuse is, what will they think? So chapter four, verse one. Then Moses answered, but behold, they will not believe me or listen to my voice for they will say, the Lord did not appear to you. See what Moses is describing here, what he's talking about is it's an issue of fear. He's like, what will people think? What if people criticize me? What if people talk behind my back? And God's got an answer for him. And it's in verses two through nine. You can read it later on your own. But God's like, hey, listen, I will equip you with what you need to do what I've asked you to do. And the same thing is true for us as well. You will be equipped to do whatever God is asking you to do. However God has gifted you, he will equip you with it. But I know for some of us, we never step up and make ourselves available because we're fearful that we might get criticized or hurt by people in the process. But here's the reality. It comes with the territory. For some of you, you can remember a time when you stepped up and you served at church or a time when you stepped up and you took a risk and you got hurt, burned, or criticized. And after that, you were like, nope, <laughs> never again. Am I going to serve in a church again? I can't stand it. I got hurt. I got burned. I got criticized. And you've been sitting on the sidelines and you've never gotten back in the game because you got hurt. And listen, it happens a lot in the church. And you want to know why? Because people are messy. So many of us, myself included. And listen, I've been in church for a very long time, so I have experienced a lot of church hurt in my life. We've been hurt by the people closest to us. We've been hurt by the people that we've welcomed into our homes, that we've worshiped with, that we've done communion with, the people that we've welcomed into our homes, that we've done groups with, all the people that we've welcomed into our lives. We have been hurt by those people, and chances are we're not only just the victims of some hurt, but we're also the people inflicting some hurt as well. And I don't want to minimize anyone's pain here today. I don't want to stand up here and make it pretend like your pain isn't real and that you should just get over it. That's not my intention at all. I understand the pain is real, but this is what we need to understand. The, we can be hurt by the church, but we cannot quit the church. It's not an option for followers of Jesus. Why is this? Because Jesus loves the church. He doesn't just love the global church. He loves the eternal church. See, when Jesus is talking in Revelation, he's addressing the seven churches. He calls each church out by name and over and over and over again, he says, I know, I know. Jesus is very well aware of everything going on in the church. He knows everything about the church. Jesus knows all you've endured, but even more than that, he understands. Jesus was misunderstood. Jesus was criticized. Jesus was hurt by people at the church as well. Jesus knows what that pain feels like. But when you believe the lie that no one understands and you run from community and you cling to your hurt, to your hurt, you think, well, you know what? I'm alone, but you're not alone. We can choose today to believe Jesus when he says, I know. When he looks at you and he says, I know what you've endured. I know what you've gone through. I know what you felt. I know the pain. I felt the pain. I see where you're at right now. And I know when we choose to believe that, 
that's when we can finally heal. See, I've been guilty of holding on to my hurt, petting my hurt, replaying and playing and rehearsing all of the hurt and all the things that have happened to me. But if I'm being honest, all that I'm doing isn't bringing healing. It's just holding on to my hurt. Because when we hold on to our hurt, we can think, well, I'm wounded and I'm not in a place to get well right now. And since I'm not well, I don't need to risk getting hurt again. See, sometimes it's easier for us to sit in our pain, but it isn't healthy. The truth is God has something so much more for us. Matthew 5, 7, Jesus said, Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. When faced with hurt, you have a choice. You can hold on to it, and you can be destroyed by resentment, anger, bitterness, or you can trust Jesus when he says, I know, I see you, and you can live in the freedom of forgiveness. And that's really what God's trying to say to Moses. He's like, Moses, There could be some pain. There could be some things. You might be criticized a little bit, but don't let that make you grow bitter or cynical. Keep a soft heart. Moses has another excuse though. Verse 10, that's where we're gonna look. He's like, I've never. He says, but the Lord said, but Moses said to the Lord, oh my Lord, I am not eloquent either in the past or since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and of tongue. In other words, Moses is assuming that God can only achieve his mission by using someone who's very good at speaking, who has pervasive, see, I can't even say it, persuasive, there it is. See, I'm not even like that. Uh, Who's eloquent? There we go. We'll go with that, eloquent. Who's able to speak well? See, Moses got tongue-tied like I just did. Moses was a stutter. That's what it's thought to believe. But Moses is like, hey, if I'm going to be used this way, I'm going to need to be a really, really, really good public speaker. I'm going to need to be able to uh, help people and and have this down. I'm going to have to be good at public speaking. But I love what God says to him in verse 11. It says, then the Lord said to him, who has made man's mouth? Who makes him mute or deaf or seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now, therefore, go, and I will be with your mouth and teach you what you shall speak. See, what we're seeing here is that Moses is dealing, again, with issues of inadequacy. Once again, God's going to ask you to do things that you've never done or ask you to do something that you feel like you're not very good at to keep you dependent on only what he can do. If God calls you to do something, he will qualify you for it. But I think so often we try to flip-flop these things. We go, well, let me get qualified first. And then if God decides to call me for it, then I'll be ready. But God's like, no, that's not how this works. Are you willing to take a step of faith and let me qualify you as you go? So God says to Moses, so God says to Moses, oh, you think you have a speech impediment? Perfect. You're exactly what I'm looking for. I'll use you as the voice of my people. God doesn't just use Moses this one time and then that's it. All throughout the pages of scripture, you could see people who have flaws that God uses. There's this guy named Saul and he's a zealot for his faith and he doesn't like these Christians and what they're doing. And so what he does is he's persecuting them. He's killing them. He's imprisoning them. He's doing all these terrible things to them. And Jesus meets him on a road and says, hey, stop messing with my people. You mess with my people, you mess with me. Jesus was getting a little gangster on him, all right? That's what was happening. 
And so uh, he wrestles uh, Saul to the ground and beats him up and all this other stuff. And Saul has his conversion and his name, it becomes Paul. And God's like, you know what? You're perfect. I'm going to use you to write most of the New Testament. You're going to be one of the greatest early church leaders. There's also this teenage young girl who's never been a mom before. And God looks at her and goes, perfect. You're going to be the mom to the savior of the world. No pressure there. And the list goes on and on and on and on. Listen, God is not interested in your ability as he is interested in your availability. See, the, the verse for this year for our church, I believe, is Hebrews eleven six, And it says, and it is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him, come to God, must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. Let me tell you, there will be times in your life where God will tell you, stop playing it safe. Stop holding on to the things that bring you comfort, safety, and security. If you walk with Jesus long enough, he's going to interrupt your life. And he's going to call you to do things that are going to require you to take big, bold steps of faith. And he's going to use you even if you feel like Moses and you say, but I've never done blank. I've never done that, God. I've never done this. But God's going to use you. And now Moses is running out of excuses. And so his last one is, I don't want to do it. Verse 13. But he said, oh, my Lord, please send someone else. See, this final excuse isn't really much of an excuse. I think it's an excuse. If we're being honest, we all say at some point or another. And as Moses, he's just desperate. This is his last desperate attempt for God to send someone else, for God to use someone else. He doesn't want this responsibility anymore. And Moses is like, find someone else. I'm out of excuses, God. But quite frankly, I just don't want to do it. This is an issue of reluctance. Moses is dragging his heels. He's not wanting to do what God has called him to do. This is when you feel called by God to do something, but you just kind of keep putting it off. You're like, I'm too busy. Not right now. I'm not ready. Maybe a different season in life. Maybe when things calm down a little bit. But listen, you're never going to find that perfect season in life. And so then God, in verses 14 through 17, I think he's a little fed up with this whole conversation going on. And so he's just like, you know what? Listen, you don't need to go alone, Moses. You have this brother. His name's Aaron. Aaron is gifted in ways that you're not gifted in, and you're gifted in ways that Aaron isn't gifted in. So why don't you guys go together as a team? And then Moses goes in obedience to the Lord, and he tells Pharaoh to let his people go, and God uses Moses in incredible ways. It wasn't an easy road, but God takes Moses' ability, and he does extraordinary things in and through him. See, God was asking Moses to be a leader, and Moses didn't see it. I think that was one of the greatest qualifications for his leadership is that he didn't see it. See, I think if Moses would have been really quick when God said, hey, Moses, go tell Pharaoh, let your people go. I think if Moses would have been like, great, God, it's about time you hear me, you see me. I've got some things that I bring to the table. It's about time you recognize the leadership abilities and the skills and the talents that I have. That would have immediately disqualified Moses because that's not what God's looking for. Moses would have been then filled with pride and arrogance, but God is looking for a heart of humility. God is looking for people to say, God, here I am. Would you use me? Will you take my ordinary and use it? 
God's looking for people who say that because then he'll go, that's all I need is your ordinary. And then he could say, watch me do extraordinary things through the ordinary things you make available to me. This room is filled with people who have different gifts. So go and use the gift that God has given you. Listen, you don't serve just to fill an empty role or to perform a function on a Sunday or throughout the week, but you serve because you show others the goodness of God. 1 Peter 2.9 says, For you are a chosen people. You are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he has called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you had no identity as a people, now you are God's people. Once you received no mercy, now you have received God's mercy. I love this verse because this verse is telling us that we aren't called to just do mundane tasks. You weren't called just to watch kids and kids ministry so that the adults can learn and grow and we're just babysitting. That's not what you're doing. You're serving to show that generation the goodness of God. You are making an impact in their lives. Those kids will remember who their teacher was. They will remember being prayed over. They will be remembered the Bible stories. They will remember the way that you showed them the goodness of God. When you serve here, whether making coffee or helping see people or greet people or serve at our connection or however it is that you serve here, you're not just doing a function to fill a role and to check off a list. You are showing people the goodness of God. And even getting outside these walls, when you serve with Hope Pregnancy Center, um, R for One, Aerial Recovery, you are showing the people that you serve of Clarksville the goodness of God. So this year, don't come to God with all your excuses like Moses did. But let God show, how, show you how he can use you to make an impact for eternity. But I want to give you a warning because something can happen in all of our lives if we don't make ourselves available for God to use us. If you just kind of attend church after a while, what ends up happening is you become a churched person. And again, I've been in church a very long time. So speaking as a very well-churched person, church people have a habit of seeing what happens here on a weekend as almost for us. It's a bless me club. Now I want you to know something. Awaken church is for you. It's for you. If you're hurting, if you're broken, if you need Jesus, if you need some time to sit at the feet of Jesus and learn and heal and grow, we are for you. But there comes a point when it's no longer about you. You need to stop being so inward focused and you need to lift up your head, get your eyes out on the horizon and see what God is doing in and around the world. The mission of Awaken Church is to awaken people who are far from Christ to new life in Christ. And guess what? That's the mission of your life as well. Once you receive the good news of Jesus, once he comes into your heart and life, you need to go out and make that good news available to as many people as possible. Now hearing that sounds kind of scary. I don't know how I can do that. The world's an awfully big place. But listen, you aren't alone. Just like Moses, you are surrounded by a group of errands. You have a church. You have a leadership team walking alongside of you. We are learning together what it looks like to serve and make a genuine impact in our city. This isn't something we're just going to pass off. 
Let me tell you, God did not just give you seasonal influence. He gave you ownership of this time and this place. It's by no mistake that you are here in Clarksville, Tennessee. You might think it looks like a mistake. I don't like Clarksville very much, but listen, it is by no mistake that you are here. It's no mistake that you are here, that God has brought you to Awaken Church for such a time as this. To make a difference for eternity and for his kingdom and for his glory. We need to take action because we all have a part to play. Matthew chapter 20, Jesus is hanging out with his disciples and two of them are getting a little rowdy. James and John, and they're arguing about who has the greatest seat of honor, who should sit next to Jesus. And they're arguing, going back and forth. And I think Jesus is kind of fed up with the whole thing. And he's like, listen, you guys have this all wrong. You have a worldly leadership mentality. That's not how it is with followers of Jesus. Leadership is not about how it can benefit you. To be a leader, you must be a servant. And we, if you've been to church for any length of time, you know this phrase very well. The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. And then give his life away. Listen, you are never more like Jesus than when you are serving others. So what's God calling you to do? Are you like Moses, a little hesitant? You feel insecure? Feel like you got some failures? I want to encourage you and say, I think God would look at you just like he looked at Moses And he would say, you know what? You're exactly what I'm looking for. I can do extraordinary things through the ordinary things you bring to me. And so really the question that we need to wrestle with this week is are you willing to step up and serve him? It's the question this week you need to wrestle with. You need to ask yourself that question. You need to wrestle with God with that. Are you willing to step up and serve him? Maybe today you're like, you know what? This finally confirms that I need to get involved. I need to find out what the ministries are here in Clarksville. We would love to help you with that. On your way out, we have that white cart and it's our Connect Center. And we would love to uh, tell you more about the ministries we support. We would love to tell you about some of the ministries here at Awaken. We've got some of our pastors and our leadership team there that would love to answer questions as well. So make sure you swing by there. But this week, maybe you're like, I don't know about this. The question that you need to ask yourself today is, are you willing to step up and serve him? Thanks for joining us for this message from Awaken Church. We'd love to hear how this message or the ministry of Awaken has impacted your life. Let us know at awaken.church forward slash my story.